Oscar Poker. We were just congratulating ourselves, or I was congratulating myself on being able to figure out how to add someone to an existing Skype conversation, which for some reason uh, eluded both me and Sasha in the past, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know what the... But it's, it's not the simplest thing, but I figured it out. Yay. You made it work. Yeah. Yay. Oh, anyway, since we don't have Phil Contrino here, we're, well, let me do the uh, formal intro here. This do is uh, our, our uh, Oscar poker number... What is the, what number is this, Sasha? 88. 137 or something? Or <laughs> 87? Or 88. Whatever. All right, so Jeff, uh, Jeff Snyder is joining us from uh, Variety. He's the uh, ace uh, uh, reporter from Variety who covers a lot of the deals that are breaking uh, on an on a hourly basis in the Hollywood world. And uh, good to have you, Jeff. I'm glad you... Thank you for having me. Glad you've uh, decided to take some time out. But since we don't have Phil Contrino, do you have any uh, readings? I can just go to one of the box office sites, but I thought we could start on a strictly business level by talking about what happened to the three big openers of the weekend, which is uh, the campaign, uh, Hope Springs, and Born Legacy. Um, yeah, no, I, I saw the numbers this morning. Um, so, you know, we, um, let, let's do it. Yeah, so, so Born Legacy was um, the reason they made this movie, even though it's not a real Bourne movie, it's uh, it's kind of a hybrid Bourne movie because it does have Matt Damon, but it does have Gilroy, uh, who has been a writer on the Bourne films since the beginning. And it does have a really good, strong lead role uh, uh, filled by um, by um, Jeremy... Jer- Jeremy Renner, yeah. I just blank on a stupid name. <laughs> And uh, he's. I think it's pretty good when it when it is kicking in. It does. I don't think it's as good. I think it's, I, I gave it like a seven point five out of a eight point five or nine for the last one, but it did pretty well. And I thought, um, but numerically, it did what a little bit less than uh, what they were expecting. Or right, did you read or what? What do you have in front of you? I mean, I, I saw. I think the number was forty point two. Uh, and I think that's just enough to let Universal save face here because they wanted a four as that first number. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the difference between 39.9 and 40.2. Okay. Right. So the uh, uh, did you see it personally, guys? I, uh, am I the only one or who's, who, who else? I haven't seen it because I'm not invited to Universal screenings anymore. Oh, no, why? <laughs> what was your offense? What did you do? It- I, uh, I I crossed a line uh, on Twitter talking about Snow White and the Huntsman. Really? Uh, I have not been invited to any Universal screening since then, and I understand why. I'm in the uh, the penalty box. I I, I am going to see Born hopefully later today, and I think it looks good. I love Jeremy Renner, um, and I'm not a huge fan of the series actually. Me either. But. Um, mm-hmm. I, that that term penalty box is exactly what it is when you have crossed the line and you have been put in the in the uh, screening room doghouse. It's strictly a thing where, they, where it's understood that you're going to be there for uh, a couple of months, maybe maybe five months, maybe six months, maybe. Exactly. I'm going to wait until after the new year to check back in with Universal. <laughs> the oh my exception, God. my own is my. Um, uh, uh, history with, with Warner Brothers. When I got on their shit list in, I think it was 05 or 06, I stayed there for a grand total of something like three years. 
Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we you we we are outspoken members of the community, Jeff, and that's what happens sometimes. But I can take it if I if I can dish it out. I got to take it. Yep. Oh yep. well, why 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 did they get mad about Snow White and the Hudson Mill was an under embargo, and you said something about it, or no? I just crossed the line with some personal stuff that uh you know that I regret. So oh dear. But, uh, but Born, you know, I I think it was smart of them to to go ahead and do this without Matt Damon. Um, I thought Jeremy Renner was the right guy. I, I don't know. He just, he, you know, he, he's more physical than Matt, I think. Um, and I've heard that the action's good. My parents saw it over the weekend, and they liked it. So I'm looking forward to it. Incidentally, just to jump off box office for five seconds, uh, I was told by a, a reader a couple of days ago that the that talking about um, the forthcoming Twilight film, the last in the series, and, and mentioning that the word forever on the one sheet is, uh, is probably not a, the wisest thing for uh, Lionsgate to be doing right now because you've got a picture of Case 2 and the word forever. Hello, it's like we're, 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 we're playing with you, we're mind-fucking with you. This is obviously not what's going on anymore. I mean, the, the, the line between reality and what the movie is, it's all mixed together. So forever doesn't work given what's happened between her and, and, uh, and uh, Rob Pattinson over the last couple of weeks. And and someone said, that's a total non-story. I said, are you kidding? This is a huge franchise. It's got hundreds of millions of dollars. You've got all these twihards that are devastated by the news. How can it not be a story? And in terms culturally, whatever. So It's funny. Um, I don't think it's... I, I don't know if, if you can say that they're totally busted up. I You know, they're probably going to get back together. So maybe it will be forever. Who knows? What you based it on? Oh, I just, you know, I read the stupid gossip sites, but who knows what, if those are even real. I just have a feeling that this affair was like there, there is no there there. Mm-hmm. There just never was. I think they just probably kissed and that was it, you know. That's my own take on it. I don't think that, that they ever, you know, fucked or anything. But I totally don't believe that. All right. Well. Yeah, that, that, that may be a little naive, Sasha. But I don't, I don't think I don't it's naive. I think on. it's like fantasy by guys like you who imagine, you know, having sex with her. Well, you know? You know, but they were seen in, at dinner, and you know, there's a there's a guy in the family on his end, on the on the director's end. Yeah, of, that was debunked, though. It was. I yeah. just I don't think you start issuing apologies for kissing people. That's what I think. Yeah, a good point. No, that's not true. But, uh, you don't necessarily know. I think that that she issued the apology some, exactly because of that. That it wasn't that. I think if it was a real affair, you know. No, wait a minute. If, you, if you've only been smooching and you know it was kind of a stupid thing to do, but you got, then you just say, "Look, I'm sorry. I know what it looks like, but it wasn't." And you know, I'm sorry. I, I got a, a picture taken of didn't, you. Man. Didn't Liberty Ross's brother come out and say it had been going on for months? No, it was, that was that. debunked. That Wait a minute, debunked. how can it be debunked? Is he on drugs? You guys have to read the gossip stuff. I mean, it's, somebody, it's like a new story every that? day about stuff. There's just new stories coming out every day. Nothing's, I mean, look, can, if you can't can even get a straight story out in the regular mainstream press, as we've seen, where everything, even that story about Aaron Sorkin and went back and forth to being true and not true, you know, the media just puts out a, a headline, and if it's wrong, they just retract it. Half the time, you don't even read the retractions, you know. Um, you don't know what's going on. In the gossip world, it's ten times worse. I mean, you guys sound like the people who believe all that Jennifer Aniston, Angelina crap that went on, you know. Jeff, Jeff made an excellent point. You don't do a public apology for having made a mistake. If all How you've do you done know? That's not true. You, you would do it because you're you're trying to appease your fans, you know. If you want to appease them and take their take the pain away from their lives, tell them it's complete bullshit and that there's nothing ever happened. <laughs> then, well, then you don't know. Fine. Look, oh, here's the bottom line. You don't know and I don't know. All we have are those pictures. There is no other other piece you, of information. You know There's just your nature. imagination. That's what it is. It's your you guys' dirty minds. Nature. You know what people are like when no, they... No, I, I don't know what she's I like. If I was the director, I think it would be hard to stop myself, you know. Of course. Hello, director. projecting... Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, again, I don't want to speculate on Kristen's personal life or whatever, but I do exactly. agree with Jeff. It Thank does you. give a, another marketing challenge to Lionsgate because they're selling this, you know, fantasy that, you know, whose bubble has already been burst. And what, can you imagine what's going to happen when the press starts on this thing? If they don't get back together, it's going to be appalling. It's, going to it's be definitely going to be awkward. I, I, that's, that's the challenge for the two publicists to, right. to work out. That's for sure. 
That's for sure. If they don't get back together, that's for sure. But but I'm just telling you, it's still limbo state. I mean, you don't know for for a minute there. I thought, oh God, the gross director guy is going to leave his wife, and they're going to like have some horrible tragic affair. It's going to ruin Kristen Stewart's <laughs> life and her career. And then and then it I would, like, I would no, respect the, that. You know, I, I would. I would. Ew, have no, ew, no, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm making another public plea to Kristen Stewart. Get away from that guy. Okay. What's interesting is, again, Variety doesn't care about this kind of stuff unless it affects business. And so far, it seems like it has between Kristen just fell out of her movie Callie that mm-hmm. Nick Cassavetes was doing. Because uh, I just don't think that the timing was right. What was Callie about? What is it? Uh, is it it a- was like it was going to be her and Alex Pettifer with Nick Chartier producing and about these teens who make a snuff film and disappear for a few years and then they have to come back. And uh, it's... It's a kind of out there movie. It sounded like a lot of fun, but yeah, Kristen's officially off of it. She dropped out last week, so. so that means and Johnny Depp's emotional. new squeeze is on it. <laughs> she dropped out. It, it is presumed because of emotional stress. She doesn't want to I, do anything. I think so. I think the timing. They just don't want. Yeah, I, I just don't think it worked out. Okay. Oh. See, that's what I hate. That's the part that pisses me off. It's yeah. like she should not have to be the tramp in this situation. She should not. Ugh. I'm getting an echo, yeah. too. What you wrote, Sasha, is very, very wise and very well said. You told her publicly that you should not apologize for anything. You know, it's not it's nobody's business, and right. I completely agree with you. Yeah, me, me, me too. Me too. She's a young girl. She's allowed to make mistakes. I mean, of all three of them, you think Rupert Sanders is going to see any fallout from his indiscretion? Do you think that Robert Pattinson is? No, the only one who's going to take the brunt is Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Guys, is the echo problem solved? I don't hear it now. I don't either. Okay. It seems to have been solved, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I, I plugged in some headphones to my iPad. And you oh, sound good. good. You do. Well. You sound better. Yeah. Great. Um, All right, so can we just talk about um, Hope Springs? Hope Springs Wait, did... do you want to – can I say what I said about Kristen Stewart so that I – because I'm not going to be able to leave that in with that echo. Sure. Go ahead. So can we go back and – Yeah. I was saying that you said something very wise, and Jeff agrees with me that uh, it's nobody's damn business, and she's entitled to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And if she didn't intend to have an affair and she kind of thought she was a fool for that, then it's her own damn business. Leave her alone. Leave, leave – you know, I, I love to hear about this stuff and read about it when I'm checking out the food at, at, at the pavilions, but I don't want to have it in the news, really. You know, I mean, I, I guess that's hypocritical to say that, but I just don't think it's right. To, I think people are entitled to a little privacy in their life. I do, too, but I also think the thing that bothers me is that, like I say, she's the one who's going to have to... She's <clears> the one who didn't go to the premiere, supposedly, because, although someone wrote me and said that she wasn't scheduled to go anyway, but... Premiere of what? The the London premiere of On the Road. Like, oh, she had okay. to duck what? out of that because she was too embarrassed. So said the gossip rags. I mean, that's what made me write the thing in the first place because I thought, you know, no way, Kristen Stewart. You're not going to be that person. You're not going to hide and, you know, and feel like, you know, Hester Prynne. This isn't right, you know. None of the guys are going to have to hang their head in shame. Rupert Sanders, it's not going to affect his career at all. Certainly not going to affect Robert Pattinson's because he comes off, you know, the victim. Well, that is the question about Rupert is will it affect his career? I mean, Universal says right now that he is involved with the Snow White sequel, but it'll be interesting as that progresses, you know, if he stays on that job. No, he'll have to get dumped, right? Why? I don't know. I just, I just I can't imagine that. that, that uh... You think his wife would be wary of him working with her again, but, it, you know, maybe if he says, listen, it's over. It was a moment, you know. But then, then maybe she lets him do it. I don't know. Well, if I w- if I was Kristen Stewart, I would not do that. I would not go into that project only because she needs to, for her career's sake, she needs to hold her head high. She needs to do what Angelina does and just not pay attention to what people are saying. Get out there, go to premieres, still make deals, still star in movies. For God's sake, you know. Um, the funny thing about her is that just before this happened. She was quoted in an interview saying, nothing has ever really happened to me. You know, everything has gone really well in my life. I feel really lucky. Like, I've never had to go through anything difficult. Yeah, I, I would like to kind of be fucked over by somebody or I'd like to yeah. fuck somebody over. You know, I know, something and then, that, hello. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of funny that now it, that might explain why she's reacting so strongly. Like, she she needs to realize that she doesn't need to be that dramatic about it you know it's Uh not the end of the world 
it's she mm-hmm. pissed off the Twilight fans. That's right. it. And a lot of people on my site attacked me and said, "Oh, she committed a sin. How can you protect her?" You know, come on, a sin. Did they actually He's use that the, word. Yeah, they sin? use the word sin. And as far as I know, I'm not religious. I'm an atheist. But as far as I know, you commit sin if you are married and you cheat. That's adultery, right? If you're not married, you're not really committing adultery. I think that apart from cruelty and banality and being hurtful to other people, the biggest sin that you can can commit in the work of Bob Dylan is to commit lifelessness. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there about her. I think that I hope, I really hope that she does just take a deep breath and realize, okay, time to move on. And I wouldn't do Snow White. She'll be fine. Well, it's just anyway. that the press is going to hound her. They're going to hound her. They like this. They want. They need a new villain. You know, the Angelina thing has died down. Lindsay Lohan seems to be sort of back on track. They need somebody else to start stoning, and it's going to be Kristen Stewart. So, if she I doesn't her, really have the character to stand up to her publicists. Um, they obviously said to her, "Listen, you've got to do something to minimize the harm to the final Twilight thing." They've made so much money off this stupid series, and. What are they going to make somewhat less money? They think they're going to lose ten million dollars. You know, eat it. You know, just just deal with it. I mean, this thing it's not going to go away. And this, the, the, I mean, the, the the Twilight series is going to do fine. What difference does it make if she apologizes or not? You know. Well, see, that's that's one interesting thing. I just wanted to add that it it did finally occur to me because I'm so slow on the uptake. I admit this. Twilight is written by a Mormon and it's a totally weird like Christian myth that whole thing like she doesn't have sex until she's married right. remember how chaste those movies were so you got to sure. imagine her whole fan base is like that so mm-hmm. I mean I know you guys are probably going yeah duh but <laughs> that's probably a lot of what the upset is about is this weird religious myth sort of being upturned by reality mm-hmm. yeah So I know that and God bless America that young girl who becomes a fan of the lead guy uh, who's basically shooting people for being vulgar and coarse and excessive by 2012 standards. She mentions Twihards as the, some, the you know, imagined uh, uh, recipients of their, of their rage. I mean, you know, Twihards are pretty, uh, pretty strange people. Have you ever been to a theater and seen them sitting yes, there? <laughs> no. <laughs> you haven't? I did. I saw them on the, the last one that came out. They were really, it was all women, I think. And it was totally like, Team Jacob. They were shouting out, Team Jacob, <laughs> Team whatever his name is, Edward. Right. But anyway. So Hope Springs, can we talk about what sure. Hope Springs did? Do you think, Jeff, that it doing $20 million over a five-day period, having opened last Wednesday, or... Fifteen point six. That strikes me as okay, not embarrassing, uh, but not that great either, right? Mm. It, it, it's funny. I saw uh, Sasha and I, my girlfriend, saw Hope Springs um, uh, this week, and we went up to Vanessa Taylor, the writer, afterwards, and I specifically told her, I was like, "Listen, do not worry about the box office this weekend. You're not going to beat Born. You're not going to beat the campaign. You're not even going to beat Batman. But this movie is going to have legs. Yeah. It's going to be just fine." Uh, it's going to have good word of mouth. Older audiences do not rush out on opening weekend. Um, I, I, re- I there, the, you know, I think if you look at the next coming weeks, it's like Expendables two and Premium Rush and just more guy movies. Mm-hmm. Women are going to see this movie. It, uh, I think it'll be just fine in the long run. And yeah, twenty million over five days is is okay. Um, I think that shows you what kind of a star Meryl Streep is. Um, you know, where she's still getting people out, uh, despite having all this big competition. Um, yeah. And it it was good. I I liked it a lot. Um, I'm going to tell my parents and grandparents to see it. You know, you, you laugh, you cry a little. Um, yeah, Meryl, Meryl and Tommy were great. Whoever would have thought Tommy Lee Jones would be, would be funny. Mm, mm, He's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he is. Good. They he were is. both so touching. I agree with you, Jeff, that it was mis- the advertising is misleading. Based on the poster, I would never go. It looks like it's chocolat for the senior yeah. set. You know? <laughs> yeah. I would never go see it. But after I was surprised at how truthful it was. I mean, here it's so funny how we see all kinds of violence and sex and everything on, on movies. But this is the thing that makes us squirm in our seat. You know? Oh, absolutely. You definitely feel a little uncomfortable watching it. But that's because it's so... Truthful. It's so truthful, but 
my God, these two performances are just so, especially, I mean, Meryl Streep, you expect it from her, but, um, and she was great in this. She was better in this than she was in The Iron Lady. And Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. I could see these guys getting globe attention. Yeah, I think so. And I think Tommy Lee Jones, I don't know, you know, best actor is always really crowded, but that one scene where he's, he's on the couch and, and the guy's kind of going in for the, trying to, to push a little too deeply with him. Steve Carroll's character. Yeah, and you see his eyes and he looks so scared. And I just, I mean, I agree with Ebert in that I've never seen Tommy Lee Jones do anything like that remotely. Right. So, um, now, um, um, it, it, we've all been in relationships. We all know that if it always takes two to make a relationship work, and it certainly takes two to make a relationship uh, go stale. I think that uh, there's no, it's never, I mean, yes, uh, you can make the assertion, and I'm not going to dispute it, because I, I, that, that Tommy Lee Jones' uh, conservatism, his laziness, his, his, his lack of being emotionally open, uh, his being an older guy and just, you know, watching TV all the time and all that stuff. But he is pretty much the bad guy, and if you want to use the term bad guy, he's the absolutely. one. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's because the women are the audience is women, so yeah. it definitely takes the female's point of view a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit, but it also turns the tables big time. Absolutely, it shows yep. that her lack of—I mean—and this is a big problem, guys. I'm a woman. Trust me, it doesn't apply yep. to me. I can just say TMI, yep. but there are a lot of um, women I know who really don't do it. Oral yeah, sex, no, it, forget it. You know, it's it like it doesn't let her off the hook. Yeah, no, and it it shows how he just kind of shut down. And when he says to her, he turns to her and he just says, "You know, I didn't stop. What about you know?" He says something like, "I didn't stop. I never stopped." In other words, I never stopped wanting you. Mm-hmm. He just got tired of of it being so traditional and boring or whatever. Now, I'd also like to raise a, a point that I uh, raised with the producers when I saw the film at Pete Hammond's class at the Arrow. I said that uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Meryl Streep's characters were probably going to college in the early 70s, something like that. And they agreed, yes. I said, well, you know, the 70s, particularly the early 70s, mid-70s, that was the biggest explosion of you know, uh, of nookie everywhere in, in the country. It was one of the greatest periods for getting laid in the in the history of this of the world, much less the history of this country, mm-hmm. and any person who was young back then definitely got around and and sowed their oats, so to speak. Not necessarily, uh, Jeff. But, um, and she came out of this thing. She's like a, a very prissy, almost schoolmarmish, uh, you know, woman who just barely has any awareness of exotic. Uh, there's so uh, many women like that. You know, but you know what's funny is that Meryl Streep's obviously not like her character that she played she's definitely you know not on that on that track she was probably one of those those 70s you know but i've heard the stories about meryl streep and her co-stars yes i have i have yes yes there's yes. very few that she during her she slept age, with everybody she, basically she, <laughs> ed begley everybody i know so. she did I know. but uh i told I did not know but, this. you but, guys are educating me but it's true. Yeah, no, she she definitely. Um, no, but but, but, but like Mary Astor, right? Only the not a not a Ferris in the Kristen Stewart sense. Strictly on set thing. sex, on set sex. Yeah, yeah and maybe right. could have been wrapped up in this is her character, you know. And she went, but yeah, she was known for that for sure. Um, but you know what? It's like when you're talking about Jeff. You and I are totally like on the planet of we're not ever going to be like 30 year marriage type people, neither of us. But, um, I don't know about you, Jeff, Jeff, other Jeff, you might, (laughs) you might, might. I don't know. You're still young, but I'm on the, I'm on the precipice. (laughs) Okay. So you're on the precipice. Well, you know, generally speaking, they, for the people that I observe is they sort of follow what their parents did. And you could kind of see how these guys kind of followed what their parents did and married. And you have to remember he chose her. He picked this inexperienced prim, probably because he liked her innocence. He liked her loyalty and her devotion. And he liked, you know, what they do is they they are attracted to their lover. And then they realize they've married their mother. And it's hard for them to kiss and to make love to their mother, you know. But, but they like being taken care of by her. They like her to cook for them and do their laundry and um, take care of them every night. I mean, I was surprised that they slept in two separate beds. That's a little blatant, even for people that aren't, don't have a romantic life to have yeah. two separate bedrooms. That's really uh, that's hard. That's odd. I would stand that for ten minutes. I'd be out of there. 
I couldn't. <laughs> That's why I'm not married for 30 years. Because I looked at that and I thought, she's a stronger woman than I. I am a coward. I'm an emotional coward because I couldn't take it. I couldn't. No way. But she's, uh, she's such a good actress because she doesn't really uh, act in a big way to convey the feelings of... Of aloneness, sadness, disappointment, lament, everything. But she does it in such delicate, subtle little ways that you can see everything that she's feeling and going through. Mm, and I, I know. She, she's, that's what a good actress knows I, how to do. I love you know? when she watching the two of them is just together because they're both so good is amazing. Mm. It's quite a treat for anyone. I mean, it, it's sad that it has to be ghettoized to a woman film or an old person's film because, and, and the only, my main criticism of it was all the hideous music they kept putting throughout. Oh, we didn't need that. <laughs> Musical cues. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was oh, all please make it stop. Like the Annie Lennox song toward the end, like giving us all this context. Like we didn't already know mm-hmm. what was going on, but anyway, right. I, I loved how when she laid in her bed that night and she, she like wrapped her arms around herself and just kind of laid there and you could just see her like wanting so badly for this man to come in and put his arms around her you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it goes really well with Amour these two movies that are sort of about these long term long slog marriages the difference between the two of them is that in Amour they really loved each other you know I having thought about Amour since seeing it in Cannes uh, Sasha this is a, a movie that has definitely grown and, and gained in, in reflection yeah. But do you think that the people who are having a good time with your uh, Hope Springs last night and talking back, do you think those people are going to respond to it more and say, wow, really good film? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Because you have to kind of be an idiot not to see that as a good movie. I mean, maybe you could say that uh, they were idiots. I'm not t- no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean do they do it. Do you think they're going to enjoy it? Do you think they're going to be like have a say, wow. Tell your friends about this. Honestly, come on. This is no, not. No, they're just going to say. It. Well, they won't be seeing it. It's not going to play in Van Nuys, but um, and they probably wouldn't see it anyway because it's a foreign film. But um, but anybody who's going to be going to see a foreign film is going to is going to love it. You know, we have such a spectrum of emotions that rarely get addressed, and one of them is lamenting the end of life and death and going through all that. You know, and. It, we're not all about just escapism and denial and happiness and uh, medicating through entertainment. You know, there is a part of us that seeks the truth, and I think you know, that movie addresses it. Do you nope. guys th- do you guys think Amor is an Oscar contender outside of the foreign language category? No, I'm not a chance. I but, think but so. But yes, definitely foreign language category. I think so for actress, yeah. Emmanuel Riva. Okay. One thing that uh, uh, Robert Harris, who told me... Um, I'd speak to him from time to time, and he happened to have some words with Gore Vidal. I'll, I'll link this up in a second, but Gore Vidal, as we know, just passed about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And he was in his 80s, and uh, Robert <laughs> Harris happened to speak to him because they were at some kind of social function in which Gore Vidal was. And uh, somebody who was involved in the function came over to some semi-official capacity and said to Mr. Harris that... They've got a, a guest here who's extremely irate. Would you like to talk to him, perhaps, because he might know you and you could maybe calm him down. You guys could like, just chill down together. And it was Gore Vidal who was very upset. <laughs> and, and it was uh, Harris's belief, suspicion, that what at root was really getting him pissed off and making him be so disagreeable was that he was enraged. He was so angry at being in a wheelchair Mm. and being in his mid-80s. And he just couldn't stand it. And I related to that because that was my father. He was like that towards the end of his life. He was just livid with anger at what biology had had done with him. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, that's one thing that, that, uh, in a way, I got from Amor. That's why it's it's a truthful film, because there is that... uh, that anger that certainly Jean, Jean-Louis Trintignant feels about himself and about his, what his wife is going through. Mm-hmm. And such a beautiful struggle, yeah. such a beautiful conflict, because don't you feel that about the people you love? You, you want them to stay alive no matter what to the, yeah. to the point where they are horribly miserable and suffering at their last minutes, but it's because your selfish need for them. Right. It's a pretty intense movie, you know? Mm. So, uh, according to Nikki Fink's thing here, just to switch subjects, uh, the campaign, quote-unquote, overperformed at $27 million this weekend. Um, if a film has really exploded, isn't 27 kind of uh, not that great? It's, uh, it's, a, it's good, obviously. It's fine. But it's not that great, is it? Yeah, I'm not seeing that as over overperforming. I think that's kind of right where you want it in the 25 to 30 range. I mean, 
you know, it's an improvement on the watch, which only which made like about half as much with uh, even more comedy firepower. So it's a good opening, uh, but it, it's not like it's the Hangover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I just laugh, man. I just I like just wrote in the review. I just sat there, said this is not that funny because it's it's dealing with with stereotypes that are so obvious and so broad. Yeah, where they're vulgar, they'll do anything to get elected. The um, uh, the uh, repressed gay uh, aspect of uh, Zach Phillip, uh, Zach character. It just nothing struck me as even remotely funny. Uh, but I knew it was supposed to be funny, and other people around me were laughing. Did you laugh at it, Jeff or Sasha? I actually, that's another one I didn't see. I ended up seeing Hope Springs instead of the campaign the other yeah. night. But um, I, I definitely plan to check it out. I think it looks okay. I'm not big on mm-hmm. political comedies, uh, but I liked Zach a lot, so we'll give it a shot. It won't be political. It doesn't deal with the actual. I mean, you know, you know what's really funny, genuinely funny movie, but in a sort of a light, ironic way. Uh, the Candidate, the Robert Redford mm-hmm. film. Uh-huh. Every almost every single film has a slightly comedic edge to it. There's always a little joke. It's not broad at all. It's fairly realistic, but everything about it is funny. And to me, that is kind of a comedy. And the. Uh, I thought it's the campaign had been willing to play with some of what the candidate did, but it, it didn't. You know, it was completely vulgar and obvious. So. Do they do um, right, left wing kind of thing, or do they go yeah, there at all? Yeah, yeah. there's one. The, the, the villains of the piece are the are the Koch brothers, the Koch brothers, and they're called the Moke or the Mach brothers. <laughs> it, right. So that's obviously an anti-right wing, anti-corporatist, uh, you know, anti-right wing scumbag thing. But that's as far as it goes. Yeah. I mean, did you did you feel like Jay Roach, the director, had just gotten a lot of the you know what he wanted to say about politics out of his system with game change and recount, and this was his opportunity to just go and be silly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he didn't feel any need to to prove himself in that realm. He obviously did did. Really, I, I love uh, Recount, and I and I really like Game Change. They're both. Yeah. Films, so. Yep. So, what do we think about uh, Arbitrage? Can we talk about that for a second? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, I was just talking about how the uh, this is uh, for me, at least being a big Sydney Lumet Met fan. This is a really good uh, thriller in the tradition of the well-made, you know, Manhattan-based Sydney Lumet film, the proverbial Sydney Lumet film. Uh, Sasha. Mentioning that it's so well written uh, after we had the uh, chat after the screening that you thought it might be an Oscar level thing, and I don't think it's Oscar level because it's just a good situational thriller. It has a social metaphor, but it doesn't really have an emotional element, and that usually is what brings out uh, Oscar talk. So, anyway, uh-huh. it sounds like New York City, smell New York City. It's about a, 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 a Bernie Madoff-like finagler who's caught in a in a jam because of a accident that happens. I won't get too specific, and he's also caught in a financial jam. The East Havens, the elite uh, salons of the super rich, but it also deals with a young with a young black guy of, uh, of, of incredible character and integrity who lives in Queens, and there's also this Lieutenant Columbo-like detective who. By Tim Roth, it's it, and and a wonderful character part by Stuart Margolin as a, as a attorney. It's really good. It's got a uh, every every scene works in my view. Yeah, no. The only reason I say to Oscar is because I think it's densely written, and and they they do tend to to respond. The writers' branch responds to really good writers, really good up and coming writers that they want to sort of you know nudge forward. And I think that his script is one of those. Standouts. It's like, I mean, it's, you know, it's tight. It's like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross tight. I mean, it's got every line of dialogue is, is not wasted. It's every character is not, you know, is, is given a chance to fully develop, I thought. And, and I don't think he goes for cliches any, at any moment. And, um, I also think that the original screenplay category is always kind of weak to begin with. And it's going to be weak this year because even Beasts of the Southern Wild isn't, isn't original, you know, so. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's absolutely in the conversation. You know, at the end of the day, does it make that final five? I, I, I'm not sure, but it definitely belongs in the mix. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and, yeah, Richard Gere was excellent. And, and like we said, Nate Parker really surprising me. Uh, I did not see Red Hook, uh, I mean, Red Tails earlier this year. I haven't seen Red Hook Summer yet. 
and he's in both of those films. Hmm. Um, but I, I met Nate at Sundance. Uh, his manager set us up. Uh, he just said, hey, keep your eye on this kid. And coming out of arbitrage, I wrote that guy an email and, and said, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, he was excellent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there just aren't that many, uh, you know, reliable black movie stars these days. And I definitely think Nate Parker, you're going to see over the next few years, is going to start uh, landing a lot of high-profile roles. He plays a uh, kind of a kind of a gangbanger in the Spike Lee film, and it's not that terrific. It, it's uh-huh. okay. It's okay what he has, but he doesn't have a lot of good scenes. And the George Lucas film, Red Tails, is, uh, uh, well, it has a negligible rep. I didn't even see it. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. Don't even ask me. You know I didn't see it. <laughs> I want to see it, though. I, I want to see the Spike Lee movie, too, for sure. Really yeah, I want to check it out. But mm-hmm. this kid, Nate, he has a bright future. And, and again, with Richard Gere, I think it's the best role he's had in the last, you know, several years. He for gives sure. off as much integrity and 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 just uh, moralistic muscle as uh, Denzel does in his better moments. I mean, uh, he just has real character. You can just sense it in him. So. And what about mm-hmm. his head of hair, bro? Can you believe that guy? I mean, his his hair is, like, insane. He's never going to lose his hair. <laughs> He's got, yeah. like, the thickest hairline of any Are we actor. talking about Richard Gere now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's like it's a marvel. It's like a, a weird sort of fluke. But um, no, he's he's great. He's my favorite scene of his is when he's. I hope this isn't a spoiler, but when he's laying on the bed, you know, and you think he's beat, and then his eyes pop up and he sits up, and he's not beat yet. I mean, he just was. A, he was a shark. He was ferocious, but he he managed to to blend in humanity. And and Jeff, you were saying that it was originally an Al Pacino role, right? It was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was thinking yeah. how different they would have been. I think that that. Um, Al Pacino's a harder guy to think of as a complex um, antagonist, protagonist. Like, he, he's pretty much a protagonist. Like, you're kind of going to be on Al Pacino's side. He's played bad guys before, but for the most part, you're you're on his side. But I thought that the Gear character was interesting because you didn't quite know where you stood with him. He just kind of was back and forth. He was nice. He wasn't nice. He was, you know, doing terrible things um, at the expense of others, walking all over the, them. And then on the other hand, he's doing these really great things for them, you know. Right. I, I love the scene uh, with Britt Marling in the park. Mm. He just kind of tells her, you know, how it is. And I have to say that uh, the French girl, the one who, who dies in the film, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that because uh, it's in the trailer. Spoiler. She's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, she is gorgeous. She's so gorgeous. And she, what do we know her from? She's just a model, right? The, I don't know. She did look familiar, but I, I can't. I can't quite place it. We talking about the French actress? Yeah. Letitia Casto is her name, I think. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, she 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 replaced somebody that we know better, and I can't remember the actor now. Right, but it was funny because the the, the thing played out how you kind of figured it would, you know. But not in the way that you thought it would. Like, you knew pretty much knew he was having an affair, right? Um, and you sort of knew something bad was going to happen to her because you already know from the trailers that he... Jeff, stop with the typing. I didn't think it was coming out. I'm sorry. No, it does. Go ahead. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, I mean, if you want us to pause while you post something, we will. But No, it's okay. I was just writing a note to myself. Like You, know. <laughs> you always say that, but it's... T- Um, (laughs) It helps me to organize my thoughts and what I'm thinking if I just tap little notes to myself. I do it all the time. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I got it. But but anyway, yeah, no, she, she, you knew what was going to happen because you kind of know how these things go. But I thought, you know, he, the way they handled it was not the way you expected. I mean, he was just, he was in a jam and he had to get himself out of the jam, you know, and as you thought mm-hmm. about that, you, you start to see the repercussions of what he does and who in the film actually has integrity and stands on it and who doesn't, who has a price and who's bought off and who isn't, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I think like margin call too, this movie's going to make a lot of money on, on video on demand. Hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that they're going to give it a big push. Um, and, uh, and I think it's perfect for adult audiences. So we'll yeah. see. Uh, I think it opens in a month. Interesting. So they're going to open know, it in a the theater and then have it go on demand? Uh, yeah, I think it may, it may be going day and date. I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. 
Um, I was talking to Nick yesterday. We did a, a, a phoner. Nick. Um, um, Jarecki. Jarecki, sorry. I was about to, because Sasha was just mentioning Nick Cassavetes, or you were, and right. I just couldn't get out the, the last word for some reason. Uh, by the way, did your uh, place, did your uh, homes feel hotter yesterday? My, my air conditioner, I thought, what's happening? It's not working. It, it, my, the place is hot. And then I realized after looking at the news last night uh, that it was really hot outside yesterday. Oh and a lot, I guess a lot of people were feeling that. It's been disgusting in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, you guys should try living in the valley. You think that's bad. I mean, it's <laughs> it's been so bad that, like, um, I had to get up this morning. I got up at 6, and I went to jog, you know, early in the morning because I like, to, I like to exercise in the afternoon, but it's just been too hot. Mm-hmm. It's even hot at night, and you right. wake up in the morning, and it hasn't even cooled off, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bad. It's global warming. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's not so much global warming, it's extreme weather. That's what we're going to extreme have to get weather, used to for yeah. the rest of our lives. It's not going to be moderate weather. It's going to be extreme stuff happening left and right. Because right, right. nobody's going to ever stop. Fossil fuel consumption is, is not going to quit, not if the right has anything to do with it. So you know. no, I was thinking today that, I mean, we'll, we'll sag into politics of the part that everybody hates that we talk about. Podcasts. Can you please stop talking about politics? <laughs> but... Um, the Paul Ryan choice was making me think if these guys win, I would not. I mean, if I'd given the choice, if I was young enough to bring a kid into this world, I would say, I'm not going to bring a kid into this world. Not with those guys in charge, you know, because what's going to happen? I mean, disaster. What's happened? What happened yesterday morning is that the election is over. I know that's uh, what you the, say. The, the but people don't want to talk about it on the cable, network and cable. They're dancing around. It's over. Because uh, they just lost Florida with with Paul Ryan's Medicaid uh, uh, Medicare views, which is to turn it into a voucher system. It means it'll be less uh, more of a problem for older people. Uh, that that tips it completely, as far as I'm concerned. And the the uh, the conversation is no longer a ref- about what did Barack Obama fail to do, or did he have a, a, did he try hard enough, or did he overcome the the, the horrible situation that he was thrown into when he took office, uh, took the oath of office in early '09? Now the conversation is about totally about the Ryan budget, mm-hmm. about turning Medicare into a voucher system, and about unlimited tax breaks for the rich, and um, whether or not uh, Ayn Rand is uh, someone that we want to uh, talk about again, because her writings, her philosophies are, are at, the, at the essence of who Paul Ryan, uh, you know, has looked towards uh, all his life, so, or most of his political life, I should say. I don't know, Jeff. Pride goes before the fall. I, I sort of think that the liberals are being a little too overconfident on this one. I don't know if you can. It's a pretty close election already, and the Tea Partiers are incredibly motivated. Oh, I'm not saying Obama's going to win by some sweep, by a, but he's going to. Be, he's definitely not going to lose. We not, don't not have now. the. I mean, maybe now with Ryan aboard, we might have the kind of passion we had four years ago, but. And, and people getting out the vote. But when you've got people on our side, people like you, for instance, Michael Moore, who aren't enthused and excited about Obama and aren't trying to say vote for this guy because of change, because they realize it's just politics as usual, we don't have that. And in a really, really close election, Bush versus Gore and the shenanigans that they're pulling right now. With the um, uh, voter uh, um, uh, suppression, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm worried. I mean, it's Tea Party. It's 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 going to show how how many Americans actually agree with this Kid Rock America. You know, this stupid blind Kid Rock. Kid Rock. I'm going to pretend like I'm a, you know, a, a white trash trucker, but I'm actually a rich guy. You know, and that that's Romney's campaign song, and that's what Romney and Ryan are trying to do. These guys are born into privilege. You know, they're rich men, and. Mm-hmm. They're going to be talking about problems of the poor, but mm-hmm. they don't really have a solution except, oh, we're going to make the economy better. Ryan has uh, if he hasn't only begun to come out, but he's not uh, too good as far as women's issues are concerned, as, as many conservatives are not. But um, if you look into what his voting record has been as far as uh, women's uh, reproductive rights, I think you'll find that he's not uh, exactly someone that, that you or any any feminist-minded woman would approve of. Right. Well, they're going to vote anyway for... They would vote. He's already got the woman vote, Obama does. And mm-hmm. he's got the Latino vote, which is a big deal. And he's got uh, right. people like me, but, but they have... They're really... They have the Christians, you know? They have the... 
question uh-huh. right. They have people who are are thinking that the economy is in the toilet. People like Clint Eastwood, you know. Uh-huh. So and couple, you know, top that off with unlimited spending for the first time ever. This is like the first time that that the um, that the challenger is raising more money than the incumbent, and this. And it just means that the one percenters are giving Romney more money. That's not a surprise. Flooding the campaign with money. Lots and lots and lots of money. Money that, that Obama's team will never be able to match. So you got those. It's like a perfect storm. You've got the weird tea partiers and you've got all this unlimited spending. That is something people should be really, really afraid about. I watched two elections here in California go down because of the Citizens United decision. And, and they were able to flood the, the mm. initiatives with money. And that's what we're going to see in this election. So that's really what people should be worried about more than anything else. We've had uh, a curious silence coming from. Jeff I know. <laughs> it's just because yeah. said nothing. I was going to say I. Oh, I'm not a political kind of guy. I uh, I have no political opinions, which is why I stayed out of this. But uh, if we could, if we could steer it back to movies, I'd love to talk about the Gatsby decision. Oh, okay. 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 The Gatsby decision is the third capitulation by Warner Brothers on a big title of 412. And it's the third big movie that they've sent into 13 this in the last uh, few weeks, right? So Gangster Squad, Gatsby, and what's the other one? Well, the first one was uh, Gravity, but I guess that was decided... Uh, right, yeah. They've, I mean, they've moved a bunch of... I think there's like six movies at this point that have been pushed. Um, but Gatsby... I mean, I, I think everyone at Variety kind of knew that someone was going to have to blink at Christmas because it was just so crowded. Um mm. And I think Warner Brothers probably ended up making the right decision uh, since you already had another DiCaprio movie opening that day. And I think Gatsby, honestly, is a tougher sell than Django Unchained. Uh, the move the summer was curious, but like others have pointed out, it, it seemed to work well for Moulin Rouge, another Baz Luhrmann film. Mm. Right. Um, I, you know, I was disappointed that we're not going to see Gatsby this year because I thought the trailer... Looked amazing, as do all of Warner Brothers' trailers. Uh, you know, blending kind of uh, modern modern day music with period movies. Um, they've just done a great job selling me on on their slate. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss Gatsby, but I, I think it makes sense putting it in next summer. Hmm. I was I'm kind of sorry because I, I had feared, uh, uh, had concern all along that that Baz Luhrmann would somehow. Make uh, he would do the he would make Gatsby into another Australia, and I thought he might vulgarize it and just completely swamp it with his excessive bombast. Uh, and uh, my impression after the first uh, footage that was shown at CinemaCon and then the trailer is that this is actually pretty cool. I feel a fresh energy. I feel like I'm he's really back in the 1920s in a way that doesn't feel like it's uh, a sepia tone. It doesn't feel like it's a, a historical piece. It feels alive and vital as part of the 1920s. And I was suddenly into it. So I'm sorry that it's not going to be opening. You know, I was talking to Michelle Robertson, a WB publicist at a party last year. Last year was J. Edgar, right? They all yeah. kind of blur into one for me. But, um, mm-hmm. and. I, you know, probably studios don't think about the Oscars anymore. Like, I, I wouldn't imagine that the Oscars are all that important to them. They still have to play the game. It's nice to win them and everything. But they're more concerned about box office, which is why I would imagine they made this choice. However, if we want to pretend that it's about Oscars, um, we could say that I remember talking to her and saying, you know, you have to choose, Sophie, because... They had so many movies contending last year. And it split them all up, and they couldn't really zero in on... Uh, any particular movie for Oscar very well because they had too many, and this year I'm, I'm sensing that that's sort of the same. What have they've they've got The Hobbit, right? They have five. They have a ton of movies this year. It'll be very interesting to see what they push. I think their strongest bet is probably going to be Argo. Argo, um, Dark Knight Rises, Hobbit, and what else? Uh, Trouble with the Curve and Cloud Atlas. Trouble with Curve, right? And they're always behind Clint, although it's not his directed movie. And Cloud right, Atlas, and I don't wow. think it, I don't think it really reeks of Oscar kind of bait to me. Um, Looks right. like a nice Clint movie, but I don't think it makes any difference whether he has the director credit. It's obviously his, <clears throat> right? You know, it's he's a uh, he's the uh, strong personality and the creative uh, force behind this thing. His uh, f- a friend of his directed it but it's 
His oh, AD. It's his first AD on, on all of his movies. Yeah. Right. Um, Cloud Atlas is a huge question mark. I think it looks amazing. I watched the trailer again this weekend. But that could either be a masterpiece or a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, and I think, you know, between Batman and Hobbit, I, I really think you can only get a nomination for one of those big blockbusters. Right. And I don't know. I just sense I feel like The Hobbit's going to be the one. Hmm. I know that they went to 10 for the whole Dark Knight kind of reason. I just don't see the same reaction for this movie. It, it's very mixed. Um, I know it's the, the end of the trilogy, which, you know, bolsters its chances, but there's just so much Warner Brothers product. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You're saying that you think that The Hobbit is going to be the one that if they are going to put themselves into some sort of best picture competition, that's the most likely? As far as far as between that and Batman and like the big blockbuster stuff, I think Argo will speak for itself. But if you have to choose between, you know, your two blockbusters, Hobbit and Dark Knight, I, I just I just think Hobbit has the inside track right now, sight unseen. Right. right. Funny, well, I always I was, bet uh, on the one you've seen and not the one you haven't seen. That's that's a good way to, to suss out the Oscar race, how it almost always goes. You know, because you just have no idea what, what The Hobbit is going to be like. But I agree with you in terms of it having more cred. Don't you think that the uh, Hobbit uh, franchise, because you have to call it that, because there's now three Hobbit Hobbit movies, it's it's completely um, uh, uh, invalidated itself by, by, by them going for three. It's totally a cash grab thing. Let's stretch it out to three. I think it's horrendous that they, they don't have the integrity to at least keep it to a two-parter. Hmm. I don't know. I don't you have know. no feelings about that? Yeah, I don't, obviously, I don't agree. people are like saying, you're kidding. You're going to make three movies out of this? Well, I see and, that, and but was... I, I don't think that he needs the money. I don't think that they would do it for the money. I think, oh, come on. I don't think what? that's what they're doing it for. I think it's doing it for the technology. That's my personal take on it. He's doing it because he wants to wait and evolve the technology. But you could what be right. What do I know? Are I'm naive. you talking about 48 frames? What do you mean, the technology? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, if it is about money, that I think the Twilight decisions were absolutely about money and the Hunger Games and all that, everything they split up. But uh... It's funny. I, I went to a, a kind of a vacuumed reality environment when I went down to SIGGRAPH um, uh, and listened to the advocates of high frame rate photography talk about what a exciting and really vital new chapter that we were about to be entering in terms of, certainly in terms of this type of film. And everybody's on the same page. And I could feel the excitement and the, and the pride that was coming from guys like Dennis Muren and Douglas Trumbull. It was really quite a hmm. nice gathering. And then one guy stands up, like, and he's representative of all the people in CinemaCon. He says, you know, because we had seen uh, footage uh, that uh, there was this brilliant uh, uh, explanation uh, that was create. What's the noise that I'm getting here? Somebody's scratching something? <laughs> Somebody's, somebody's rubbing their iPad on their pants. For no, Sorry, God. Right. It fell. <laughs> so we watched a, uh, a, a, a sort of a, a primer um, that, that explained the differences between 24 frame, 48 frame, and 60 frame, and even had 120 frames. And it was produ- produced by, um, by Cameron and um, uh, Lightstorm, I guess, is the, is the production entity. And it was really quite the thing. And then one guy got up and he says, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this, but I, I'm concerned about the look of this thing. This just isn't cinema. And the whole thing was like everybody doesn't they, – they, all people have is what they've had their whole lives, which I totally understand. But that's not what cinema is anymore, or at least will be redefined. To me, the whole – the Hobbit is tainted by two things. One, they went, they went to three. That is completely dishonorable. That is just like – Naked cash grab time, and and the second thing is they've capitulated. They they've run away like cowards on the forty eight frame. Uh, this is supposed to be the big breakout, and this is going to be like the first time people taste it. And they've done everything they can to. Re- they've done everything but abandon it entirely. Now they can't do that because it would be completely humiliating. But they're they're going to limit the venues that are going to show it according to a variety piece that I read a few days ago. And right. Isn't it kind of a credit to them, though, that they're at least listening? I mean, if the reaction was that bad, at least they're paying attention and, and not being stubborn and going right. through with their plan anyways. You mean if they were 
So you don't understand this is a great thing. Obviously, they're retreating every way they possibly can to minimize what they are afraid is going to be financial loss because people are going to say, you don't want to see this because this movie in 48 frames doesn't look like a movie. It's, it's like high-def video. It looks too intense, too real. There's no filtered effect. We've been watching the same type of thing since we were ba- babies, and we, this is not a movie. And people are going to say that. But, we, you know. but the, the guys who are the target demo guys, the blogger dudes, the fanboys, they all recoiled in horror. And so if you can't sell them on it... They didn't all recall, uh, recoil. Some of them. Some a lot of, them. of the main guys did, like Slash Film and... Yeah, it, it felt like most, at least. It really did. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't seen it, so I have no frame of reference. Me either. But generally I'll, speaking, if you get that kind of reaction, and you're you, talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, I mean, do you really want to take that risk? Just so that... Right. For what reason, really? I mean, I wouldn't. I would be scared of taking that kind of a risk with that much money. Can I talk, please? I'll explain to you. (laughs) Fewer and fewer people are going to theaters. More and more people just see movies as something to watch on their iPads and their phones and their computers at home and VOD uh, in their living rooms. Theaters are just one option. It's not that big a deal. This drives theatrical. Feel something from 48 frames that you will definitely not get at home. You will definitely not get it on your iPad. It's a huge deal. It really is. And I, I, I can only repeat that it's not cinema. It is too vivid and real to be called cinema. It is like, I don't know what to make of it, but I know that when I saw effects, visual, CG, computer-driven effects, it is something amazing because I've never believed effects as much as I have under the 48-frame um, format so. mm-hmm. yeah but you still couldn't sell the fanboys on it so how are you going to sell it to the target demographic See, so let's I'm say a, it I'm comes gonna, I'm out seek it out in 48 frames yeah the, me too i'm curious about it but let's say it comes out they, let's say they went like Sasha, they're saying one of the, they're just saying the same thing I, and not, so are you i'm saying that that how you're saying that it's going to get people out to see the movies well let's say that they did go for it they did decide to just does this ignore the fanboy's reaction and to go with your reaction and say, oh, it's going to bring people out because they want to see something new. So all of a sudden they see something new. They start Twittering. That was the worst piece of shit. What the hell with that? Oh, my God. 48 frames. Never again. And so what do you, What have you got? You've got a disaster on your hands. You've got people you clinging have a stigma to a technology against, and a way of absorbing movies. That was in, you have a stigma against 48 frames. It's almost a 90-year-old technology. I Why is that. it that everything else moves forward, but we can't move forward on the, you know, absorption of image? Well, maybe it doesn't look as good as it could. Maybe it's it's still got a ways to go, which is why I think oh, he's... It's fine. I'm telling you. I, I'm not... From, from, what, I, from what I understand, guys, um, what what was shown at CinemaCon or whatever, the, the, like, the finished film's going to look 80 times different. I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't color corrected. I mean, he's done so much work. I'm told it looks way better than it did when it was initially projected. Yeah. So I could see the blogosphere coming around by the end. Yeah, maybe so. They just were afraid to take the risk. But they're still going to show it in 48 frames, right? This is not true. This is not true. I mean, I don't care what he's doing. I saw what the the Cameron uh, uh, short uh, projected, what they showed as the differences. The differences are that there's no layer, there's no scrim, there's no gauzy effect that we all associate with movies. It's it's so it's as real as Sasha looking across at her daughter on a couch in her living room. It's not a movie, it's reality that is much more intense than, than your that we've all than we've seen. And I completely understand someone saying, I don't like this. I want to go back to the nineteen twenties and see the way, you know, I've been watching movies all my life. I, I totally agree in the sense that I don't want uh, twenty four frames to go away. What I'd like to see is for movies to change to 30 frames, which is a, a cleaner, more fluid way of uh, processing uh, images mm-hmm. and, and projecting them. But, uh, but I, I don't want to lose 24, but this is great for a certain type of film. That's all. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But it is exciting, and, and maybe Jeff's right. Maybe whatever the, the, that they saw that they didn't like will, be, will have been fixed. Um, I don't know where I, I really I'm, I'm not trying to dominate the conversation <laughs> you're talking about when they're going to fix it believe me, it's not going to be fixed or whatever it is what it is it's it's very fast images reducing the 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 hazy 
scrim-like uh, feeling of cinema. It's gone. I'm telling you, there's, it's not. There's nothing to fix. I know, but see, I like the hazy thing of I'm cinema. I'm not saying I, I don't like beautiful. it either. That's just my problem with. This is what David Fincher worked so hard to correct when he was shooting a digital film to make it look more like film. You know, and that you want it to look like film. Film is beautiful. Why tamper with something that's beautiful? You know. Have you guys seen End of Watch yet? Uh-uh. Uh, I would love to see it. That's going to be at Toronto. Uh, are you telling me they've been showing it? Uh, I mean, I, I managed to, to get my way into an early bird kind of screening. Um, it's really good. That's I, I don't want to like give too much away or anything if you haven't seen it. But What's it called definitely again? Keep End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. It's just a cop movie running around, but it's all based. It's sort of the found footage. Of, it's all like uh, footage that they take with their own video cameras or people's. Right, Jeff? Right, yeah, that, that's the gimmick, kind of. Um, but it's just super intense. You know, it's not quite training day level, but it's right below that. Uh, mm. I just think David David Ayer's in his wheelhouse. Jake and Michael Pena are great. Definitely uh, keep an eye on that one. Wow, cool. That might be a sneaky little Oscar movie there, right? I mean, that sort of sounds uh, really, really good. <laughs> but I've been hearing... Uh, Somebody saw it um, a long, a good while ago. Oh, yeah, one of our, I won't say who, but a, a, a journalist that we all know saw it uh, last uh, July or June or something like that. And it's, um, yeah, I heard the same thing. Really good. So, yep. Um, how old, I mean, how um, long is it? Is it uh, like 90 minutes or 100 minutes or is it longer? No, it's, it's probably like 110. Okay. Around there, yeah. But my, yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, guys, it's been wonderful. I think we need to stop now. We're at over an hour. What happened? And that's Jeff's phone. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Uh, okay. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> How long did we talk? Forty-five minutes. No, about an hour. About oh, an hour. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we could have gone so. on, on, and I'll remember when Jeff joins us uh, the next time, which I hope you do, Jeff. That, uh, to stay away from all political discussions. So, <laughs> thanks, guys. No, uh, thank you for having me. I really, I had fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. it was nice talking to you. Have a good rest of your weekend. Don't get too all right. hot. I'll see you around. Take care. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode eighty-eight of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com. Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com and special guest Jeff Schneider from Variety. And we will be back next week with another episode. Our bumper music today was Contraption Soul Desert by The OCs and Sarah by Bob Dylan. Thanks for listening. When the children were babies and played on the beach You came up behind me, I saw you go by You were always so close, still within reach Say-ra, whatever made you want to change your mind Say-ra, so easy to look at, so hard to define Still see them playing with their pails in the sand They run to the water, their buckets to fill I can still see the shells falling out of their hands As they follow each other back up the hill Sweet virgin angel, sweet love of my life Radiant jewel, mystical wild Sleeping in the woods by a fire in the night Where you fought for my soul and went up against the odds I was too young to know you were doing it right And you did it with strength that belonged to the gods We travel, we never apart Sailor, sailor Beautiful lady, so dear to my heart
the sounds of those Methodist bells I'd taken the cure and it just got me through Staying up for days in the Chelsea Hotel Writing sad art lady of the lowlands for you It's all so clear, I can never forget. Sailor, sailor, loving you is the one thing I'll never regret. Now the beach is deserted, except for some kelp and a piece of an old ship that lies on the shore. You always responded when I needed your help. You gave me a map and a key to your door. Sailor, sailor, glamorous nymph with an arrow and bow. 